For those who don't know who I am, I am David. I am the student pastor here at Polaris. And happy Super Bowl Sunday. Now, I am aware of the colors I currently wear. And they're not the colors of either teams in the Super Bowl, nor have they ever been. But it's okay. I have the one thing that no other team has and all Browns fans can say. I have hope. That's about it. But I have hope that one day, maybe before Jesus returns or takes me home, <laughs> I will see a Browns in the Super Bowl. Now, most people would advise me to give up. Practically speaking, I have a better chance of winning a million dollars than to not just see a Browns win, but as Browns just play in the game. And practical advice would tell me that I've wasted time, money, resources, and tears on an organization that hasn't produced a winner since 2007 and no championships since uh, 1964. But regardless if it's your sports teams or your personal everyday life, everybody's trying to give us information or advice about something. Just look around our world today, and, and even our, our personal lives, we're, we are looking for guidance in some way. Go on social media this evening. I'm not talking about after the Super Bowl, I'm talking about after This Is Us, because that's the bigger event, correct? And, and I'm sure there's someone on Facebook who's going to give a synopsis of the whole episode and how you can apply the themes of This Is Us to your personal life. I believe it's the stepdad that started the fire that killed the dad, and that's just my opinion. <laughs> I don't watch, but I watch through my wife because she asked me what's going on, and I usually say, well, I think it's this. <laughs> uh, and I also mess with her. Uh, there's blogs everywhere to tell us how to be a better parent, a better spouse, uh, a better neighbor. Uh, there are YouTube videos that tell us practical advice uh, how to uh, do stuff around your house to make sure you're a little bit more handyman. I watch a lot of those videos, and it's like Pinterest. The video and the picture look great. The result, not so much. There are videos that tell us how to do our finances better. There are videos out there to tell us how to spend our, our, our tax return checks. There are bartenders, and there are hairstylists that will spend, as much as you pay them, um, time with you to give you advice about your week or your day or your life. Life is full of people trying to give us advice. But the problem with this is not all the advice is good. In fact, I've, as I've grown in my personal life, I've noticed that a lot of the advice has been either skewed or not so good. So where do we do? Where do we go for practical everyday advice that's going to help us? And to me, there's no better place because I'm a follower of Jesus than Scripture. And this morning, we're going to spend time looking at one of my favorite passages in all the, all the Bible. And it's in Philippians, written by a man, that, man named Paul, that gives us advice that's better than any blog post, self-help book, uh, advertisement, or bartender could ever give us. So our first piece of advice comes from Philippians chapter 4, verse 5. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. 
the, ver- the first part of the practical advice that Paul's given us is we need to change our attitudes when things get tough. I don't know if you know about this, but when Paul wrote this, this piece of scripture, he was in prison, and he was writing this to a group of people to, to say, hey, we need to rejoice. Imagine writing something while you're in prison and say, hey, let's be happy. But this is an important lesson that Paul's teaching us. He's saying your, your inward attitude doesn't have to reflect your outward circumstance. That we can find joy wherever we're at, whatever circumstance we are in. Because Jesus is with us and he was near us. In fact, there's a research study uh, done by a, a company that, that looked at people ages 65 to 85 and the importance of attitude and health. And they've noticed over a 10-year period uh, that this group of people had 55% lower risk of death in all causes when they were more optimistic. And that their percentage of risk of heart failure went down 23% because of their optimism. The research tells us that optimistic people tend to be more physically active, they drink less, they smoke less, they cope with stress more effectively. Uh, Optimistic people are usually associated with better health in general. So when one's attitude isn't everything in life, it does make a major difference. But it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to allow unpleasant circumstances in our lives dictate What's going on in here? It's easy to allow unimportant events like a politician tweeting something or celebrity saying something not so wise on a celebrity rewards show and take it way too seriously. It's easy to focus on the negative things that you know are going to come this work week. It's easy to take a criticism from your spouse that she happens to tell you in the morning about what you are wearing and how it doesn't match to heart. But believe it or not, we have more control over our attitude than we give ourselves credit. And many times, we need to stop and can't stop and start looking through our lives through the filter of God, through God's angle, through a different perspective. And when we stop ourselves intentionally, We can start changing our attitude regardless of the circumstance. And I think that's what Paul's telling us to start off this section. He's like, listen, I'm in prison, but there's joy to be had. And this morning, maybe some of us need to wrestle with changing our attitude in situations, being more optimistic in life, or looking at God's point of view. So where can you start to let God change your attitude about life. The second piece of advice Paul gives us in Philippians 4 comes from 4.7. This is one of my favorite verses. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind's in Christ. So what do you do when life gets you down? 
What do you do when life gets tough? Paul's practical advice, pray. Here's a funny, another funny tidbit, and I'll, I'll get off the football stuff here after, after this one. Uh, there's a statistic out there that tells us that more than 25% of Americans truly believe that God has something to do with the outcome of a football game. On the flip side of that, 20% of Americans truly believe at one point or another that their team is cursed. Can I hear it? Amen, Browns fans. I played football for 10 years. I love the sport. I love watching it. I don't really ever remember a time where I actually prayed for an outcome of a game. I always prayed for safety or I prayed that we had a good time, but I never prayed for an outcome because I just knew God didn't care. Now, granted, the Browns have never been in the game. Maybe I would entertain the idea of saying, hey, give us one. Um, but all jokes aside, we have a tendency to kind of pray for some silly things. Think about it. You're late for work. God, please, let every green light be green <laughs> all the way to work. Or you're a student, and, you're, and, and you know you haven't studied as much as you should, and you really need that C plus or B minus, and you're like, Can just let me circle these bubbles in a pattern that, that best just makes you joyful, Lord, so that I can get my B plus or maybe a C. Whatever works. Or maybe you really want pizza for dinner. God, will you change my wife's heart so that she will not make me a quinoa salad and she will order some Romeos tonight? Believe it or not, we're all, we all have so silly prayers. And I think the reason why we pray those things is because, you know, we're a little anxious about life. We, we are. We, we want things to happen. We, we don't want bad things to happen. I don't consider myself very anxious. My, my wife will tell me that the biggest two things I get anxious about is food and my family. Um, outside of that, I'm not really an anxious person, but I know some of us today, we're very anxious people. In fact, me just talking about anxiety makes you have anxiety. That maybe, you, maybe you've gone through your day and you can't go an hour without having some sort of worry. And you hear this idea of being anxious about nothing now, how is that possible? And we all have these worries. But Paul's advice to us is, is when any time that you start to worry, stop and pray. Learn to have an intentional time when you start feeling those things in our, your heart that like, man, I, I, I just gotta, what's gonna happen? That you stop in that moment and pray. Make it a habit. Your boss walks in and tells you that you're losing your biggest account. Stop and pray. You get bad news from your, your daughter because she is failing a class. Stop and pray. Have a teenager that doesn't speak, just grunts. Stop and pray for a long time. And the cool thing about this that Paul tells us we get this peace that transcends all understanding. And I, I really want us to focus on that little line because that means it's supernatural. That means it comes out of nowhere. That means that it doesn't make any sense. That when we stop, when things get crazy, 
when anxieties are high, when worries are like in your face, that we stop and pray, he comes in and gives you peace. And I look through the world history, and I see this all the time. Abraham Lincoln is, is famous. Historians say that he was constantly in prayer during the Civil War. That there were times that he would just be praying, walking around wherever he's at, whether it be his, his personal office or on a battlefield. History also tells us that Martin Luther King Jr. would constantly be in prayer as he's preparing himself from the, some of the worst moments in the civil rights movement. Jesus himself prayed constantly. And in fact, going to the cross as he was about to be arrested and go through the most painful, agonizing death, he was praying. I pray when I hear a student who is struggling with depression, when I hear my friend's marriage is falling apart, when I worry about my son getting sick or my wife being safe, I stop and pray. God's peace is different than the world peace. We, we, we tend to think that peace means that we're, we're in absence of conflict or uh, we just have good feelings. But the truth is God's peace is so much more because we, when God steps in in his peace, we know that God's got our back. That God is for us. And any of those, how your heart races with anxiety, any of those moments kind of end up calming down because of his peace. So maybe it's time for us to start trading our worry for, for prayer and that prayer for peace. The next piece of advice comes Philippians 4.8. Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if it is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Paul's advice here, oversee your thinking. There's a lot that goes through our mind through a given day. And sometimes the thing that pops in your head in the middle of the day can completely derail your day. Or you wake up in the morning and that thing, it just jumps in your head for some reason, and you just can't shake it the rest of the day. And the flip side of that, maybe you're having a horrible day, and you hear a song on the radio that just kind of changes, this kind of way you feel and your attitude. Or maybe your spouse says something very nice about what you wear, and you're like, wow, he actually paid attention? And it shifts your mood from bad to good. The truth is, we have a lot of control over our minds, we sometimes don't realize that. And a big part of that control is what we allow to be consuming into our, our hearts and our minds. And the old idea of garbage in and garbage out. And I tell this as teenagers sometimes, they roll their eyes. Uh, but there's, some, there's a lot of truth to it. But what we allow to, to be in our minds, in our hearts, can really affect our outward attitudes and actions. In fact, they say that um, we are so obsessed with what's going on everywhere that our minds can't stop racing, including when you're taking a shower. There's a, there's a research poll out there that says the four things that people do while they're showering is they go through their to-do to do list, they think about their problems and their worries, they daydream, which is me, I like to daydream, and they think about work. So this moment where you're supposed to kind of stop your morning and, and, and get clean and get ready for the day, we're kind of like messing our day up already by thinking of all the stuff. Or we're trying to relax at night, maybe have a nice bath or, or, or a cleansing shower and 
we're thinking about all the junk of the day. We are a people that is full of constant desire of what we have to do, what we're thinking about, what we're, what we're going to do next, all the negative possibilities. But Paul tells us we need to reprogram our minds to think about things that are noble, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. And this takes intentional action on our part. Maybe you go on social media a lot at night. You go through and you're, you're, you're skimming through and all of a sudden you see this one post from your neighbor who is talking about your other neighbor's yard and how horrible it looks and how it's going to pull down our property values and how we should egg them at night or, or whatever to get them a, send them a message. And you have a choice. You can click the comment button and read all the negativity that's going to follow that or you can take a step back. And say, you know, I don't, I don't need to see this. Or maybe you have like a work-changing presentation that you know the next day you've got to get on your A game, you get on it fast. So what do you do? Think about it all night, let it rustle in your head, let, let, let you toss and turn about it. Or maybe go to bed with a Bible verse in your heart. Write something on a card that's going to be uplifting and positive and put it on your mirror. The first thing you see is that verse when you try, we look, well, most people, guys don't look at the mirror first. We look at it last. Uh, but maybe put it by your alarm clock. Somewhere where you can see it, that the first thing that you see is something positive and uplifting that starts your mind. Maybe you're like me, you like to watch some TV to wind your, your evening down, or some YouTube or Netflix or whatever source of media. And we have to start to rethink what we're putting in our brains at that moment. Is it God-centered? Is it healthy? Is it pure? Is it going to allow us to have the thoughts that we need to grow? One of the things I used to love doing, and I still do every once in a while, is I'll listen to sports talk radio. And I, got, I realized after a while that it's just kind of the same stuff over and over, and it's never positive. And I always feel, I felt like three years ago that I'm just kind of sick of coming into work and being like, oh, I just got this feeling. And it's not just sports talk, it's, it's political talk, it's daily news, whatever it is. So I just start listening to blogs. I have a little speaker in my car, I, I, I find a blog, I pop it on, and, and, and there's podcasts, or blogging, all kinds of stuff. And I, I listen to Anley Stanley, uh, and I listen to Reggie Joyner, two people that I really respect in ministry. When I'm not in a ministry mood, I listen to Walt Disney podcasts because who can be sad thinking about the happiest place on earth? And it's this intentionality of kind of stepping back from the negativity and allowing positive, godly-centered things to be put into our hearts and minds. In fact, you know, Paul felt this so much strong, strongly that he said this in Romans. He said, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What he's saying is, transformation starts here. Not with, like, doing things. You want to see your world change, you've got to start changing it here. Because here will lead to here, and here will lead to our. So how can you start to control what's going into your head? How can you start allowing more godly things to be a part of your everyday thinking?
So the last piece of practical advice that Paul has for us comes from Philippians 4.9. Whatever you learned or received or heard from me or see, me, see in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. What Paul's telling us is that we need to look at people who we respect and who we care about that will encourage our faith to grow. And we need to just start to imitate their example. We need mentors in our life. We need people we can go to and look to and, and look at for, for just how to do life. Because here's the thing. There's no manual out there. When there's books, how-to books or, or self-help books, and those are great and all, but you, you can't just read a book and really just all of a sudden, boom, you're doing it. You need to see it in action. So we need those people in our lives that we can look to and say, hey, that's really how it's done. I want to introduce you to a family. This is the Romano family. Um, Bonnie and Joe, they are the lead of our young adult group. It's called the Next Group. And they're a great family. And I got a chance to sit down with Bonnie uh, this week and, and had a quick little interview with her. And I just want to share what she has to say about faith and children and growth in their faith. I'm Bonnie Ruano. I have three kids. They all are Rise and Shine alumni. Um, Michael is 12. He's in the SMT. Maggie is 10. She is in the um, fifth grade program. And Sean is almost seven, and he's in the first grade program. And I'm married to Joe, <laughs> the one and only <laughs> Joe Romano. Um, we've always been raised um, in the church, um, a very strong Catholic upbringing, um, church was a big part of our family. We, we went every Sunday. Things started to change a little bit. Um, you know, when you have kids, it's hard to go um, to Catholic masses. They're, um, you know, they're very structured and the kids are, you know, have a hard time paying attention. And, you, you know, you at least for me, I ended up spending most of the mass praying that they didn't <laughs> make a spectacle out of themselves. And then in June um, of 2012, my nephew, Blake, was killed in the, the car accident. Watching my cousin, Terry, um, you know, deal with Blake's death and try and find ways to move forward, it just made me realize that, that all these things that we pour into our children with, you know, with trying to invest in them and, you know, make sure that they're well-rounded and that they're well-liked and that they have opportunities and experiences and things like that, it made me realize that none of that mattered. The only thing I can do for my kids, honestly, is give them faith. You know, I can give them wonderful opportunities and I can put them in the best schools and expose them to the, you know, best opportunities. But if I've left them without faith, then I've failed them. You know, I want happiness that doesn't come from what they have or opportunities that they've had. I want happiness that comes from, you know, even if they face tragedy in their life, that they can still move on, that they can still find comfort. And there's a lot to be afraid of when you're raising teenagers. <laughs> and when I worry about those things, it consumes me. Um, so I think being closer to God has made me realize that when I trust and when I surrender, 
He really does have a plan for them. Well, the biggest thing I got out of her interview was you don't teach your children about faith. You have failed them. I believe that Polaris is a place where um, we love kids. We love teenagers. We love our adults. But this is a place where people find what their faith means for them. And one of the most healthy things you could ever do for, for a child or a teenager is to get them plugged in, truly plugged in to, to what we're doing here. To start building relationships with our adults. And I'm not just talking about our adults in our ministry, I'm talking about our adults, period, in, in this church. Because there's some great people here that they can learn a lot from. And I look at my personal life. I really don't know where my personal life and my faith would be without some of the people who I call close friends. And I, I, I'm going to name a couple. I'm going to miss a whole bunch of them. But uh, Alex Poindexter and Marcus Fife and, and, and Norm Maynard and Bill Beebe and uh, Gene Smith and you know, Mark Simonitis. These are just a few men that I just pour into and they pour into me. And I try to imitate how they do life. So who are the people in your life that you are imitating? Who are the people in your children's life that you've plugged them into and built relationships with that they can imitate? And it's not just, you know, for me, it's not just here at Polaris. I have pastor friends that I look to because they've been doing this a lot longer than me. And I go to them for advice and I try to do some of the things that they do. I have people I listen to when it comes to parenting, when it comes to being a husband, uh, when it comes to being an everyday man, and I take those things and I use them in my life. So who are the people in your life? And how can you start to imitate them in your personal everyday life? I started us off this morning by talking about how we're, everyone's looking to give us some advice. And that we need help to find some good God-centered direction. And in talking about this this morning, listening in or, or listening to a podcast, those are all awesome things. But the thing is, if it does not connect us with action, it really just words. So I'd like to do a little exercise with you this morning that I try to do with our students from time to time. Now, there's, there may be some, I think there's some, some postcards or, or index cards in your seat. If you don't like to use physical cards, grab your phone out and, and type this thing, this thing out here. Four practical questions to ask yourself about everyday life. So you go, how can you start to, start to change your attitude when things don't go your way? Write down, how can you find space in your life to stop and pray? How can you oversee your thinking and demand that your mind stayed centered on godly thoughts? And who are the people in your life that you admire? And how, can you, how are you going to start to imitate their example? Now, I want you to take screenshots of that. If I'm in the way, let me know. Unless you want me in there. Uh, 
uh, take screenshots at and put it as your as your home page when you like the first thing this this week when you see it it pops right up or put this somewhere and start writing down answers to your questions you know don't make this church thing a I'm going to come here I'm going to sit here I'm going to listen I'm going to go home and have lunch and go off do something with these things. We have a saying that, that, that I talk to our students about. I know we've talked to our adults about. What is God saying and what are you doing about it? Because if you, you don't add the what you're going to do, to do about it to the end of that, it really is just coming and hanging out and listening to someone speak. So what are you going to do? How are you going to take this advice that is so impactful? Even if you take the God stuff out, let's pretend that God is not involved with this at all, and you ask these questions, they're still practical, awesome, everyday advice. So what are you going to do about it? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for just an opportunity to talk about Paul and and the advice he's given us through his word and um, in his letter to the Philippians. Lord, let us put into action the things that, that we learn today. Allow us to, to change our attitude when things get tough. And allow us to, to pray when things uh, aren't going the way we want them to. Let's start filling our minds with things that are, that are positive and, and that are about you and let us find people we can, we can grow with. Father, thank you for your word and, and thank you for the life-changing advice that Paul gave us today. We pray this in your name. Amen.